0: You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Gus Edwards and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. On today's show, we'll be looking at Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, along with Mid-South Wrestling, from the 19th of December 1981. For those of you who are new to the podcast, every Sunday we review these two shows from what's available on the WWE Network and Peacock in the United States. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be adding in World Class Championship Wrestling to the shows as well. To make sure that you don't miss out on these, then please subscribe at your favourite podcast directory to get each show. If you've missed any of the shows, you can always go back into the archives and catch up. Let's go on to today's show Mid Atlantic Wrestling, 19th of December 1981. The show opens as usual with Bob Coddle and David Crockett running down the show. This week we will see Sergeant Slaughter, who's the United States champion, Ninja, who has his new manager Gene Anderson. Also, there will be the European heavyweight champion Billy Robinson and the new Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Champions, Ox Baker and Carl Fergie. Sergeant Slaughter comes out for an interview, and Slaughter wants to remind everyone that he has $1,000 as a challenge to any wrestler who can break the Cobra Clutch. Connell reminds Slaughter that Jay Youngblood challenged him last week, but Slaughter says that Youngblood has had his chance and it's time for someone else now. We go to the ring. And the first match is Blackjack Mulligan Jr. and Jake Roberts against Charlie Fulton and Chris Markov. Markov has gone from being one half of the Imperial Russians with Nikolai Volkov and a Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Champion to a jobber in record time. The finish comes after a knee lift by Roberts on Fulton followed up by a bulldog from Mulligan Jr. There wasn't that much to this match. Back from the break... And it's Ninja in the ring with his new manager, Gene Anderson, against Mike Davis. I guess Johnny Holiday, or whatever he was called, didn't last too long in his territory. Ninja still has the Joker face paint look, and he sprays green mist before the match starts. The first couple of times we saw Ninja, it was just chops that he threw and a few kicks. But now he's working holds and working over the arm, which, psychology-wise, is excellent since he's now under the tutelage of Gene Anderson, so that all makes sense. Ninja gets a win with a headbutt from the second rope. We're straight back to action again, and it's Mike Miller against the debuting Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor, of course, comes goes on to become more famous, or perhaps infamous, as Red Rooster in the WWF. They announced Taylor as being undefeated and the Rookie of the Year. So he's coming in here with a bit of a push. Blackjack Mulligan joins the commentators and he wants to take Slaughter's $1,000 challenge. They note later on in the show that Tony Anthony will be attempting the challenge. Mulligan then puts over Taylor, saying he's one of the best young guys in the business and he could be a future world champion. Taylor wins with his version of a kind of a mix between a figure four leg lock and an Indian death lock. There's some hype for the show debuting in Michigan. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Private Jim Nelson are out there. And Slaughter gives a a shout out to the former president, Jerry Ford. We go back to the action and it's Jimmy Valiant against Tony Russo. I love Jimmy Valiant, but he is horrible in the ring. But he's got the charisma of a million men. Just absolutely love him. Valiant gets a win after an elbow drop. There's not really been that much to the matches this week. Paul Jones and Ricky Steamboat are with Bob Coddle. Jones says the main reason they're here is for Oli Anderson. Steamboat has got the worst moustache ever. He just really needs to get that shaved off ASAP. They cut to a video of Steamboat wrestling Mike Strator, which we saw last week with Piper and Oli attacking Steamboat before Ray Stevens comes up for the save. This is basically, again, more building up the Ray Stevens and Ole Anderson feud. They come back from the video, and Jake Roberts has joined them too, and he says it's time for Ole Anderson to be taken out of wrestling. Back from the break, and Big John Studd is with Bob. Studd wants Mulligan, and that's why he slapped his kid. That's Black Jack Mulligan Jr., Roddy Piper comes in talking about Steamboat. There's not much to it from Piper, a bit of a disappointment there because he's usually a really good promo. We go to the ring and it's Billy Robinson who's billed as the European heavyweight champion against Don nodal Robinson is famous as a shooter who was trained in catch wrestling at the Snake Pit in Wigan. He spent most of his career in the AWA and in Japan where he went on to become one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. At one point in the match, Robinson hits Curnodal with a rude awakening, but just gets a two count from this. This is pretty much all technical wrestling, and to be honest, Curnodal's probably one of the best guys here to showcase Robinson again. Curnodal at one point gets a Boston Crab on Robinson, but Billy powers out of it. Robinson gets a win with a back suplex into a backbreaker. This was a really good match. We've got more Sergeant Slaughter. He's with Bob Coddle and it's time for his demonstration of the Cobra Clutch. Slaughter says people are always asking him why you want to know what the hold is like. and Slaughter says you either go to sleep or if you're smart you'll give up first. Tony Anthony is going to be the victim here. Slaughter tells Anthony that he'll put the hold on and as soon as it begins to hurt Anthony has to tap him on the arm and he'll break the hold. Slaughter puts a hold on, and of course Anthony taps. But then Slaughter holds it on for an extra second or so. Slaughter then apologizes, saying he just got carried away. He then attacks Anthony, and he puts a hold on him again. Jay Youngblood, Terry Taylor, and a few others run out for the save. Tag team matches next. It's the Mid Atlantic Tag Team Champions Ox Baker and Pretty Boy Carl Fergis, is now known against Jay Youngblood and Keith Larson. Fergie and Ox recently beat Youngblood and Johnny Weaver for the titles, but this is never mentioned here. In fact, I don't think Youngblood and Weaver's reign has ever been mentioned. Baker hits Larson with a heart punch and Fergie gets a win. Youngblood never even got tagged in here. I've no idea why they'd even put him in the match. The show ends with a few interviews Firstly, Paul Jones is out talking about what Slaughter did to Tony Anthony, says it was uncalled for. Jay Youngblood is next. He's saying that Slaughter owes on a chance at $1,000. Blackjack Mulligan Jr. and Jake Roberts finish off and they're just putting out a challenge to all comers. This was a decent show this week. It was short on promos, which is normally the best part of these shows and more on the matches. It was actually a bit like a mid-south show. Robinson against Curnodal was the best match on the show and the slaughter angle with the Cobra Clutch Challenge was fun. It's a basic old school angle, but these always work. Next week on the show, we'll see Jake Roberts and Blackjack Mulligan Jr. in tag action. Ivan Koloff, the TV champion, is on the show, along with Terry Taylor again and the Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Champions Oxbaker and Carl Fergie. Before we go to the Mid-South Wrestling Review, I want to talk to you about Tuesday's bonus episode, in which we'll be looking at the AWA Championship Wrestling from the 5th of March 1988. And that'll feature the Midnight Rockers and the Nasty Boys in the tag team title match, along with Jerry the King Lawler, Bob Orton Jr. and much more. Don't forget to tune in for that episode. And if there's a particular show you want to be reviewed, then please get in touch at RetroReviews at Hotmail.com. Now to Mid-South Wrestling. This show as well is from the 19th of December 1981. Boyd Pierce welcomes us to the show. He's wearing a very plain suit for once, which is a shame. And he reminds the fans they've only got a couple of weeks for them to choose their dream match to be shown on TV. This week, Mike George takes on Bob Roop, Ed Wyskoski is in action and the new Louisiana state champion, the Junkyard Dog, will be here. JYD recently defeated the great Kabuki for the title. We saw Kabuki for a few weeks at the start of our our Mid-Atlantic reviews, so this must be his new territory. The guest commentator this week is the North American champion Ted DiBiase. They talk about last week and Paul Orndorff reversing the figure four leg lock on DiBiase. And Ted says he'd rather have his leg broken and submit to someone like Orndorff. We go to the ring and Reeser Building introduces the first match, which is Tom Renesto Jr. against Brian Blair. We saw both these guys last week with Blair getting a victory and Renesto Jr. losing. It's a very noisy ring, you could hear every step and squeak from the ring couple of things I didn't pick up on last week was the ropes in mid-south are really, really high. They, they look probably four or five inches higher than any place else and they're also really, really loose. Renesto Jr. gives Blair a backdrop which seems to be taken in slow motion. It looked for a long time that Blair was going to fall on his head but he managed to rotate at the last split second. Even the referee had his head in his hands watching it. Blair wins this with a figure four leg look. Back from the break and the next match is in the ring. But before we start, research building interviews Paul Ellering about him being back after a six-month injury layoff. Ellering is doing a complete Billy Graham rip-off gimmick. It's amazing at this point in wrestling how many people around this period just copied Billy Graham. It's also weird to see Ellering with a full head of bleach blonde hair. I'm actually going to play this interview for you because it's surreal.
1: For the past six months, precious Paul Ellering has been recuperating from a very serious injury, but Paul, it seems that you're back now and in better shape than ever and raring to go. I can't believe it myself! Precious Paul, the living doll, the master of disaster, the master blaster from 8 to 80, precious drives him crazy. And I'm back, Arby... Better and bigger than ever. (laughs) Precious Paul's back. And back to stay, not back to play. Precious Paul's got a lot of lovely ladies out there, and he's got one main squeeze in mind. Precious Paul understands there's a $1,000 floating out here in the stratosphere. Can you dig it, stratosphere? There's a thousand big ones, and I got one big main squeeze in line. And she says, "Precious Paul, I like a thousand clamaroos. I know you give it away every day." And I say, "Lovely lady, lovely lady, it's so great to be great." Precious Paul loves the land of the free and the home of the footlong hot dog. <laughs> Can you dig it, footlong hot dog? Absolutely. Now Precious Paul wants to put out a challenge. Can you dig it? A challenge. I want to challenge the Iron Geek. I mean the Iron Sheik. You know the blender brain. I want to challenge him to his clubs. Can you dig it? Clubs. I can and that (laughs) has been tried before. I know it's been tried before but this time you're dealing with a man you know a lot of men have gone by the wayside and a lovely lady said to me precious Paul I wouldn't go out with you if you were the last man on earth I said but lovely lady I'm the only man on earth (laughs) the challenge stands and precious Paul will not fail because I back up from no man and if he's a man He'll do the same. Well, you've you've heard the challenge and you can well see that Precious Paul Ellering is ready to go.
0: The match is Precious Paul Ellerin against Don Serrano. Ellerin is huge here. He lost all his muscle mass after retiring and becoming the manager of the Road Warriors. Ellerin wins with a rude awakening. That's twice today we've seen that move. Next up is the Junkyard Dog against Mike Boyer. JYD is the only one on the show who gets a music entrance, which just makes him come across as an even bigger star. Unfortunately, another one bites the dust is dubbed over on the network. Boyer looks a bit like Rico Costantino of uh, Billy and Chuck fame in the early 2000s. There's actually more Matt wrestling than this, than what you usually get in a JYD match but eventually Dog hits a power slam and gets a win. We come back from the break and it's tag team action. The Mississippi champion Bob Orton Jr. and Paul Orndorff against The Monk and Carlos Zapata. Orton and Orndorff of course in about three years time would be part of the main event of the first ever Wrestlemania, so it's cool to see them here together. Of course the other part of that team at Wrestlemania was Roddy Piper, who we just saw on Mid-Atlantic Wrestling earlier. There's a cool double team by Orndorff and Orton. Orton's got the monk up in like a power slam position over his shoulder, and then Orton comes off the second rope with an elbow to the back of the head, and then Orton completes a power slam. Orndorff puts the figure four on for a submission win, and afterwards he's taunting Ted DiBiase at ringside, who's on commentary. The next match is Mike George against Bomb Root. Rup was a top-level amateur wrestler and even competed at the 1986 Olympics in Mexico City. He finished 7th there after losing to the eventual gold medalist. This is a really good back-of-forth match. George is a partner of JYD, so he's pushed and protected here. They end up fighting on the apron and George is rammed shoulder-first into the ring post. He manages to make it in before the 10 count, but he can't use the right arm. Rup then finishes him off with a high knee. Back from the break, and it's a Polish Prince, Ed Wyskowski, against Mike Bond. We saw Wyskowski last week getting a win over Jimmy Garvin. This match is a bit more one-sided though. Wyskowski gets a quick win with a backbreaker. Moving on quickly to the next match, and it's the Iron Sheik against Frank Monte. Before the match, we have the challenge between the Sheik and Paul Ellering. The challenge is that the Iron Sheik can do twice as many repetitions with the Persian clubs than anyone else can do. And if he can't, then he owes $1,000. Ellering is up first and he does 50 repetitions, which means the Sheik has to do 100. Skandar Akbar, who's the Sheik's manager, says that the Sheik will do this after he beats Frank Monte. And he says he'll even put the price up to $2,000. Monte worked as a jobber for Mid-Atlantic before coming to Mid-South. He was the one who kind of looked like Ross from Friends when they do the 80s flashbacks. Sheik wins easily with a high-angled German suplex. And now it's time for Sheik to do his repetitions. Akbar saying it's unfair that Sheik has to do these after wrestling a match. Akbar is stalling for time so that the time runs out and the show runs out. Funny in the past two weeks that we've done the same stalling angle in each territory. Next week on Mid-South, we'll see Paul Orndorff against Brian Blair, Ted DiBiase in action, along with Bob Roop, Bob Orton Jr and the Iron Shake. The best show this week was Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. Mid-South won last week, but definitely Mid-Atlantic this week. I had the better angle with Sergeant Slaughter in his Cobra Clutch Challenge and Billy Robinson and Don Carnodo was the best match on both shows. Although um, Mike George and Bob Root was really good too, and also the team of Orton and Orndorff are really good as well. Let me know if you agree that Mid-Atlantic was a better show. You might think Mid-South was better this week. Next Sunday, we'll be back with the 26th of December 1981 episodes of Mid-Atlantic and Mid-South Wrestling. And this Tuesday, don't forget that our bonus episode featuring a listeners requested show will be AWA Championship Wrestling from the 5th of March 1988 featuring the Midnight Rockers and the Nasty Boys, plus much more. If you've enjoyed the show, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.